This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Final segment here on the Blitz on a Thursday. Plenty to get to. We will get to your tweets at Wesley Euler. A couple more rolling in here. Last chance to get them in. Question, comments, concerns, and reactions before we get out of here. Uh, we'll also do a little looking ahead, a little scouting of the Baltimore Ravens in the next half hour here. I'll do three things Thursday as well. But first, to get us started in this final segment on the show, Cam Hayward. There's a few guys within the Steelers organization that whenever they speak, I stop to listen. Cam Hayward is certainly one of them. Um, and what can you say about this guy and his effort and everything he's done this season that hasn't been said already? He has been uh, putting the defense on his back quite literally a lot of these weeks and uh, and carrying them to results. He is, I think, the unquestioned leader in that locker room, uh, certainly on the defense, but I think in the locker room in general. I always love listening to Cam. He's no nonsense. He's straightforward. He's honest. He doesn't sugarcoat it. Here's what Cam Hayward had to say yesterday. Trying to impart tradition and history of the organization to younger guys. What's kind of your role in that in, in educating guys as they come in? Hey, things are done this way because they were like this when you got here as a rookie. Uh... You know, I think the tradition is winning. Uh, I think we're all pissy and annoyed about it, but at the end of the day, uh, the tradition to be upheld is to win the game, play with a lot of effort. Um, everything else is besides the point. Does it mean it's okay to kind of evolve and honor traditions, but understand that things are changing, it's playing music, whatever else is well, a part of the game now? Winning is, a, is never going to get evolved. Um, and that's the bottom line. Um, everything else can change, and just like the players change. But at the end of the day, we're here to win a football game. Um, uh, and if it's not about football, uh, we're not concerned with it. Um, I know it's been a big deal about freaking music, but honestly, I'm I'm done tired. I'm done talking about it because at the end of the day, I'm here to put my teammates, um, these coaches. Everybody in the best position, um, and my job to lead everybody. Cam, when it comes to the run defense, is there any substitute for physicality, and how do you instill that in week 12 or 13 or wherever we are right now? Uh, it comes down to technique and you know getting off blocks, being physical at the point of attack, uh, understanding alignment, execution. Um, you can't you know really substitute anything for physicality. I know we had a day of pads, but for us, we have to, you know, uh, preach the little things because it's the little things that are getting us beat. Um, running to the ball, uh, understanding that if someone does make a mistake, having other guys there accountable for it. Um, you know, it takes 11 guys on defense to be a good defense. It doesn't take one guy, it doesn't take two guys. It's got to take the whole team uh, playing a lot better. Some, some of your former teammates have bemoaned the lack of physicality on this defense right now. Do you agree with that? or? I don't really care, you know. Um, at the end of the day, it's 11 guys and this team getting it done. Um, you know, I appreciate their comments, but uh, we need to get it done. Uh, the, if we start worrying about what's said elsewhere, you know, shame on us. Cam, is the effort thing about maybe young guys thinking too much, you know, their responsibilities rather than just reacting? Effort only comes into play when you execute your job. Um, and I think. 
uh, we've gotten to a point where uh, we're not executing well. Um, you know, coaches can draw up what we need to do, but if we don't execute it, um, you know, point of attack, uh, being in the right assignment, uh, you do that, then you can play with effort. You don't do that, uh, and you try to play with effort, you look like a bonehead. So we got to, um, you know, play a lot better. Um, I know it looked ugly on Sunday, um, but I look forward to cleaning it up this week. Cam, what was Mike's message, and do you feel like the first couple of days it's been received? Um, you know, you really don't know if it's received until, uh, you know, how the game plays out. Um, you know, we're judged off of wins and losses. Um, you know, coach has been hard on us, uh, and we didn't get the job done. And uh, there's a number of times where we're falling short. And to acknowledge that is huge, but to learn from that is even better. Can Mike uh, message this was much like last week and uh, Brooke asked him on Tuesday, are you concerned that your message, that was your message last week and that was the performance and he said no. As a player though, are you concerned about what, when you see a performance like that, that what the coaches are saying, that what, what Mike T is saying is not resonating with maybe some of the younger guys in the group? Man, if a younger player doesn't get it, that's shame on them. Um, the goal is to, you know, beat the Baltimore Ravens now. And to do that, you need to learn from your past mistakes. Uh, you know, we're playing a really good offense, playing a, good, a really good running opponent, uh, playing a MVP candidate in Lamar Jackson. If we don't donate our time and um, really lock in on this guy, man, he's going to have a field day. Um, and that's just being honest. We have a, a lot in front of us. Uh, and, you know, we need to grow from this. And... Uh, we need to be better. As a veteran, what do you say to supplement Mike's message or to drive it home even more this week after he said it wasn't effective? I, I follow what the head coach says and I come ready to the practice. Um, you know, you, a veteran doesn't need to say much. Let, let your work speak for it. Um, the way you practice, the way you take care of yourself, um, the way um, you execute. Um, if I can't hold up my end of the deal, what makes me think a younger guy is? not easy for a guy to jump in week 13, especially for a defense that's trying to right the ship. Were you trying to spend a little extra time yesterday with Montrevious just to help him get on that moving train? Uh, you know, I think uh, for him, you know, he's a newer guy in a new system. Uh, I'm just trying to be an open book for him, you know, give him as many questions and as many answers as he needs. Um, you know, when he's out there, I'm just trying to communicate with him. Uh, you know, it's, it's a big hurdle to, you know, come over as quick as he did. But, you know, so be it. Um, we got to get them ready. Um, me, Coach Dunbar, Tyson, uh, even Chris. You know, we all got to give our time to make sure he's up and running. In general, how important was it for you personally to practice yesterday? I know you sat out a couple Wednesdays, but is it just a um, self-accountable thing? Yeah, everybody you know, to? I, haven't I didn't play great, great last week, so I figure I need to be back out here practice on Wednesday. Can we can, uh, nose tackle last week? Uh, why did you move in there? It seems like it didn't really fit what you do best. Yeah, um, you know, a couple times I was, you know, they, they want me to play nose, and um, I'm going to play with the coach's call. Um, is it different? Yeah, but, man, uh, I'll be ready for anything. Um, I've been in this defense enough to know what I need to do, um, playing backside a little bit more, but um, coach has got the, you know, you know, I know we got things going on, but coach has got the best uh, um best in mind for us and um, whatever that takes. We've seen teams blitz Lamar this season, we've seen them not blitz Lamar this season. Is there a 
a book on what to do, and if you do blitz them, you better get home, right? Yeah, um, if you blitz them, you got to get home um, because you know you're leaving your corners on an island, uh, and if they have to you know defend for a long time, that's not a good decision. Um, you know, I think for our outside linebackers, it's keeping them on our inside shoulder. Um, inside getting pressure up the middle not creating those vertical lanes um and you know it, it's a group effort you know he really stresses the defense at all three levels so um got to tackle well got to have guys run into the ball um but i look forward to it how, how surreal is it going to be playing against big al is that going to be one of the weirder uh facing a former teammate things just with how long he was here and yeah over to a rival like that well, you know, it, it's funny. I feel like I'm playing a lot of my teammates now. Yeah, it's everybody. Um, if I see another pouncey, I'm gonna be like, "What the hell's going on?" <laughs> but um, you know, I just think uh, you know Al's been a big contributor for us. Uh, we we've had practice battles, but um, it's definitely weird uh, him being over there. Uh, but you know, it's just what the, na the nature of the game. And past success limiting Lamar, how does that carry over year to year or does it? Past success does not carry over. Um, every year you are trying to get better and as teams are doing as well. Uh, but, you know, we can look what we did technique wise and say, you know, uh, this is what we did in the past to help. But that is not indicative of getting the, the job done on, on Sunday. So uh, we got to learn from mistakes. There were mistakes last year, and we were very fortunate to wind up with a W. Uh, but uh, got to look forward to you know stopping this guy. Cam Hayward there speaking yesterday, um, talking a lot about some of the moves that he made, the interior of the defensive line, and, and obviously the challenge that the Baltimore Ravens present. Um, as well as you know some of the the messaging and, and things in the locker room and things that have been said to young guys um, about the standard here in Pittsburgh. Great stuff. Like I said, Cam Hayward, one of those guys, when he speaks, I listen because it's always good stuff. Wesley Euler with you here. It is the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Before we get to uh, your tweets, before we get out of here, and, and one, I'll give you one last solicitation uh, here, at Wesley Euler on Twitter. Questions, comments, concerns, reactions, I'm going to get to those in just a minute. But first, how about we do a little three things Thursday. Simple concept, we take the Steelers' upcoming opponent every Thursday when we start to do a little advanced scouting on the show, and we say three things that we think they do well, three things that they struggle with. Three likes, three dislikes. Three things Thursday, of course, this week, we're keeping an eye on the Baltimore Ravens. Here's what I like about Baltimore. Well, nothing about Baltimore, all right? I don't like their food. I don't like their city. I don't like their colors. I don't like Old Bay. I don't like crabs. I'm just kidding. I like both of those things. I don't like Edgar Allan Poe. I don't like the Ravens. As our buddy Bill Crawford would say, I don't even like the TV show. That's so Raven. But three things that I think the Baltimore Ravens have going for them as a football team. Let's talk about them. The first one, and I know this drives a lot of Steelers fans crazy, but you know when the shoe's on the other foot, you absolutely love it, and it's their ability to find a way to win. You guys know, it's one of our original showisms here, right? Eulerisms, as Moats used to call them. They don't ask how, they ask how many. 
And I know Baltimore. They've had some last-second field goals that have bounced in off the crossbar. They've had some backup quarterbacks out there chucking Hail Marys at the end of the game that their wide receivers were able to get under. They have had some good fortune. I am not denying that. But they don't ask how. They ask how many. And Baltimore has just shown this year an ability to find a way to win. Reminds me of the Steelers a lot in 2017. Right, that Steelers team that went thirteen and three, they were like nine and one in one score games that year. They just knew how to find ways to win late. It wasn't always pretty. It didn't always leave you with the best taste in your mouth. It didn't always inspire confidence. But at the end of the day, more often than not, there was there was a W on the scoreboard for the team, and that's just what Baltimore has done this year. It's they they found different ways to do it. It's been miracle field goals. It's been miracle Hail Marys. It's been some mistakes by their opponent, all those things combined. But at the end of the day, there's something to be said for being able to find a way to win, and this Ravens team has done that so far this season. It drives you crazy when one of your rivals like Baltimore is getting by like that. You love it when your team is is, just finding ways to win games that they should be losing. I I think you got to respect or at least recognize. I'm not saying you got to respect anything, but you got to at least recognize um, that this is a team that is, has found the ability or has the ability to find ways to win late in games, and, and that is certainly a strong trait to have in any sport, uh, but particularly in the National Football League. Second thing that they have going for them, and you know this kind of plays into the first one, Justin Tucker. I mean. You know, there, there's a lot of big names in Baltimore. You know, there's Lamar Jackson, a lot of big names on defense. They, you know, before they were all decimated on offense, as some big name running backs and offensive linemen in Baltimore as well. But Justin Tucker, man, he gets them out of so many stadiums. He is so key. You know, I all respect to Chris Boswell, who I would have number two on my list, but I think Justin Tucker is the best kicker in the NFL. He's certainly been the best kicker, you know, over the last decade or so. Um, I think he's probably the best kicker in NFL history. He's just phenomenal. Um, And he is a big part of their ability to get out of stadiums, to find ways to win. He's great on kickoffs, and he's great field goals. He is, he's a wild card. He's a, he's a real maybe ace up their sleeve is a better way to put it. Um, Because I guess wild card was the wrong term to use there. Yeah, he's an ace up their sleeve is what Justin Tucker is. He's dang good. He's a big part of why they win so many close games. And he also uh, can make life um, almost non-existent for your kick return team as well, too. Takes that element out of the game. Justin Tucker, uh, you, you got to give that guy some, some props, some recognition as well, too. And then the third thing that I like about what the Ravens are doing currently, about what the Ravens have going for them, and this one's even more difficult to stomach as a Steelers fan in light of everything that's going on with Devin Bush right now, but it's Patrick Queen. Their first-round draft pick out of LSU two years ago. Off-ball linebacker. Um, they got him in the 20s in the draft, and if that, you know, if that draft was, was re-picked now, he'd probably be a top 10, top 15 pick. He flies around. He makes plays. He's physical in the run game. He's, you know, service. Like, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that he's some great coverage linebacker, but it's not a weakness. He's more than serviceable in the coverage game. He's one of the better young linebackers in football. Patrick Queen is a national champion at LSU, was kind of the, the center, the anchor of that defense, that LSU defense in 2019 that, you know, that won the natty with Joe Burrow and company. He's dang good. 
He is everything that I wish the Pittsburgh Steelers had right now in the middle of the defense. Speed, physicality, tenacity, and a, and a well-rounded skill set. And like I said, it's, it's even tougher to watch him play in light of, of all the struggles right now with Devin Bush. Steelers trade up to get Devin Bush at 10 in 2018. Uh, Patrick Queen falls to the Ravens in the 20s in 2019. It's tough to watch. But I tell you what, you know, if you could take your black and gold glasses off and set them on the bedside table, Patrick, McQu- Patrick, Qu- Patrick McQueen, like he's a character from Cars, Patrick Queen, not Lightning McQueen, the Disney character, Patrick Queen, he's, he's a very good football player. And like I said, he is exactly what I wish the Steelers had right now in the middle of that defense. So those are my three likes. Their ability to find a way to win, Justin Tucker and Patrick Queen. Now, dislikes. All right, this is a lot more fun. Number one, their turnover ratio. You know, Motes and I talked about this on Monday, how the Steelers are bottom of the barrel in the NFL. I, I think it was seventh or eighth worst in the NFL in turnover ratio. And, you know, when you're a, an average team like the Steelers, when you're not great, when you're not terrible, you, you got to be more buttoned up in that regard. You have to win the turnover battle. Your turnover differential needs to be in the positive, not in the negative. Well, the Ravens are even worse than the Steelers. Their turnover ratio on the season is negative seven. It's worse than Pittsburgh. Twelve interceptions for Lamar Jackson already with six games to go. That's a big number. Now, he threw four of those interceptions last week against Cleveland. So maybe that skews the number a little bit. But even if you take that out of the equation, eight interceptions in what would be what? I think 11 games for Lamar. If you drop the Cleveland game, that's still too much. They've lost four fumbles on offense as well, too. They don't do a good job of taking care of the ball on offense. That, to me, is something to dislike. I I don't care how good you are, and I do think the Ravens are a good football team. I don't care what your record says, and the Ravens obviously have a nice record right now. If your turnover differential, if your turnover ratio is that bad, eventually it's going to catch up to you. The Browns couldn't capitalize on four turnovers from Baltimore last weekend. If Pittsburgh can get two or three, I think that would bode them well this Sunday. You know the Ravens are going to have an extra onus on protecting the football after being so sloppy with it against Cleveland last week. But you got to win the turnover battle because that is an area where Baltimore struggles even more so than the Steelers. That's my number one dislike. My second is the lack of a downfield threat. And this is something that has plagued their offense for a few years now. They run the ball very well. They've always been effective with their tight ends. But they just... Marquise Brown, you know, he's, he's okay, but he's not great. Uh, they brought in Sammy Watkins, same thing. He's a nice player, but, but he's not super dynamic like he was a few years ago. They don't have a real downfield threat. They don't have somebody that can take the top off the defense. They don't have playmakers on the outside that defenses really have to respect. Like Deontay Johnson would be, without a doubt, their best wide receiver, their best playmaker at a skill position, you know, other than Lamar on that offense. Andrews is a really good tight end, but teams are able to cue on him because they don't have much on the outside. They don't have much in terms of a downfield threat. Their playmaking lacks on the outside. That is number two. The number three is the offensive line. Uh, not quite to the level of the Steelers, but they've certainly had their struggles there as well, too. They lost Ronnie Stanley Jr., uh, one of the best young tackles in football earlier in the season, and they've been kind of scrambling um, at times to try and put the pieces back together. 
Alejandro Villanueva, our dearly departed. I say that. That makes it sound like he passed away. Formerly of this parish, Alejandro Villanueva. Well, he did pass away to me, dang it, because that's what happens when you sign with them rat birds. Might as well be dead to me. (laughs) Their offensive line, Alejandro Villanueva, he's been a mixed bag. He's had a couple games where he's looked really good. He's had a couple where he's looked like a turnstile. That's kind of been their offensive line in general. They have played all right at times. They've also had some really bad showings. They, they struggle with consistency a lot like the Steelers' offensive line. Again, I, I do think they're better than the group we have here in Pittsburgh right now. But that still doesn't mean that they're good. That still doesn't mean that they're even a strength of this team. In fact, I think they are a weakness. The offensive line for Baltimore ain't great. Got to get after Lamar. Got to create chaos in the backfield. Got to win at the line of scrimmage. So again, real quick to recap before we get to your tweets here. Three things I think Baltimore has going for them. The ability to find a way to win late in games that they've done all season. Number two, Justin Tucker, who has been a big part of that. And number three, Patrick Queen, who is exactly everything I want the Steelers to have in the center of their defense right now. Dislikes things that they're struggling with, areas where I think they leave some to be desired. Turnover ratio. It's worse than the Steelers. 12 interceptions for Lamar on the year. They're giving the ball away too much. Eventually, that's going to catch up with them. The lack of downfield threat, the lack of playmakers on the outside, they just don't have them. Brown and Watkins are okay, but but they're not demanding a crazy amount of respect from any defense. And that, in turn, creates more pressure on Lamar, uh, allows them allows teams to game plan more around Mark Andrews, and it, it hurts the offense. And finally, the offensive line. They haven't been a disaster, but they've certainly been a weakness. Soitently been a weakness. Julie says, don't forget Rashad Bateman, him and AB's cousin, Hollywood Brown, starting to come on. Losing to the Rappers is going to hurt. Yeah, Rashad Bateman's a nice... They, they have nice playmakers on that offense. They, they don't have an all-pro caliber guy. You know, there's no Antonio Brown type wide receiver. I don't think there's even a Deontay Johnson type wide receiver. There's no... With all the injuries that they have right now, there's no... Lev Bell, Najee Harris type guy in the backfield. They're just an offense that, you know, again, they've got good players there, without a doubt. But they've had serious injuries in the backfield. They've had serious injuries at the offensive line. And they've got B players, not A players, at some of those skill positions. And I think you've seen some of the struggles that that's created. Uh, CR tweets us and says, at this point in the 2020-21 season, with the ineffectiveness of both offense, defense, and the game plan, I'm in wait-and-see-what-happens mode. This 21 team just isn't the same. CR, I think that's fair, man. I do. I, I think we're all kind of in, in, in wait-and-see-what-happens mode. It was not pretty last Sunday against Cincinnati. As our buddy Brian Backo said about an hour ago, about 45 minutes ago, it really felt like the Bengals snatched the Steelers' soul out there in Cincinnati. I mean, geez, what, did they force them all to eat Skyline Chili before the game? I think we're all in wait-and-see-what-happens mode right now. And that's fair. And that doesn't mean that you're a Fairweather fan. That doesn't mean that you're, giving, that you're you know, uh, I hate these guys, they suck, I'm done. That doesn't mean any of that. It just means that you're being realistic. And I always think that's fair. You can, you can be a huge, huge Steelers fan and, and still, you know, Want to wait and see how this whole thing plays out. You're still going to see it. You're still going to be watching. You're still going to be invested. Um, 
But I, I think if your expectations have, have, uh, have dropped over the last few weeks, certainly couldn't blame you, certainly couldn't knock you for that. Mark, what's up, Mark? Mark and NorCal. How do we fix our offense? You would, uh, in the words of Gunny Highway and Heartbreak Ridge, you improvise, adapt, and overcome. If an offensive coordinator cannot do that, he needs to go back to high school and coach. You, you certainly have to adapt and improvise and overcome. I, I think it's simple for the offense. It's much harder to do, but it's simple. And that's, you have to be able to run the football, and you have to be able to attack the middle of the field. Now, again, I know, that's much easier said than done. When your offensive line is on roller skates and you can't run the football, th- that really handcuffs you. You can't have Ben Roethlisberger standing back there in the pocket trying to make play. He, he has two seconds to throw the ball. But when this offense is effective, it's when able they're able to run the ball with Najee, they're able to attack the middle of the field with Pat Fryermuth. that opens up things on the outside, hit some big plays with Deontay. That's the fix, I'm using air quotes, for this offense. Again, much easier said than done, but you got to get Najee involved in the run game. Najee, give the rock to Najee! And, and, and you, you have to start attacking the middle of the field, please, for the love of all things holy, Again with Pat Fryermuth. That's a big one for me. They are once again way too much to the outside. Nothing over the middle. And you didn't draft Pat Fryermuth. We haven't seen him have the success that he's had when he's been a big part of the game plan to just have him out there blocking or just have him out there as a decoy. Not good enough. Rod Dalla tweets. says, should we sit Kendrick Green for JC or BJ this week just to light a fire under him? Yeah, and, and maybe Rod Dolly doesn't even have to be even a decision made out of the sense of, all right, we need to motivate this young man. All right, we need to see what he's got. Sometimes when you're a young athlete, just being able to sit back for a week and watch and let everything slow down around you can do you a lot of good. Sometimes your head's spinning. You know, you're still thinking about last week and the mistakes you made while you're trying to game plan for your opponent the next week. It, it, it can be a lot. You're still trying to get fully integrated in the offense. You're still trying to learn all the new language of a new playbook and and how that evolves and adapts on a week-to-week basis. You're studying your opponent. You're struggling. You're probably, I would imagine, a little beat up at this point. It's, It's December, and you're a rookie. It's the first time you've ever gone through the rigors of an NFL season. It doesn't even have to necessarily be a a motivational thing for Kendrick Green. I think sometimes just in any sport, when young athletes are struggling, it's good for them sometimes just to be able to sit back, watch, observe, and let everything slow down around them. And 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 this could be the week for that to happen for Kendrick Green. I would not hate that. He has had some solid moments this season, and I don't think any of us have ever questioned his effort. But again, sometimes your head just gets to spinning and there's so much on your plate and you're worried about your mistakes from last week and you're trying to look ahead to the next week and it, you can just get you can get in your own head, you can get down, you can get discouraged. It's a lot. Sometimes just being able to take a step back for a game can do those those guys in those types of situations a lot of good. Jason tweets us and says, "Who is less likely to be with the Steelers next year? Ebron Snell or Isaiah Bugs? Who is most likely to be our starting quarterback? Ben Mason or somebody not already on the roster, Russell Wilson maybe. Well, I would love that. I would love. I'd love it if we got Russell Wilson in Pittsburgh. I'd. I'd be cool if we got Aaron Rodgers here too. But let's start at the top. Who's less likely to be with the Steelers next year, Ebron Snell or Bugs? Uh, probably all three. 
But I think Ebron and Snell definitely will not be with the Steelers. Ebron making too much money. Pat Fryermuth, your clear number one guy. Benny Snell, I think they've given him opportunities this season. It's just not there. I think they clearly believe in Anthony McFarland more than they do Benny Snell. Isaiah Bugs, maybe he gets one more year. But I definitely think Ebron and Snell will be um, departing from the black and gold this offseason. Our starting QB next year, Ben Mason or somebody not already on the roster? Man, now that's the interesting question, Jason. Um, I'm going to go with somebody not already on the roster. I think that Ben's going to retire like most of us do. I'm not saying that that's a definite. It would not shock me if Ben came back, but if I had to guess right now, I would say he's going to retire. I think there'll be a competition in training camp between Mason Rudolph and somebody not already on the roster. I think a veteran quarterback, it could be a big name like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. It could be a Teddy Bridgewater or someone along those lines, a Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think it'll be Mason versus a veteran competing competing for that spot. Oh, let's see. Last one here. Steelers Nation 920. Weirdest thing you've ever eaten. Oh, uh, I had alligator when I was in Australia. Sorry, I, I had kangaroo when I was in Australia. It was, whew, what was that? I'm 30 now, so that was 16 years ago, 17 years ago. But yeah, when I was in, uh, when I was like 13, 14, I went to Australia with my dad and we had kangaroo. That would definitely be the weirdest thing I've ever eaten. Least favorite football player of all time. Vontez Perfect or LaShawn McCoy. And if you need to ask why, you haven't listened to the show very much. <laughs> Most memorable Jerome Bettis moment. Steeler Nation says mine is um, him running through Erlacher in the, sn- in the snow. It was like old school King Kong versus Godzilla. My favorite Jerome Bettis moment. Oh, man. Honestly, probably, I mean, him standing on the podium at Super Bowl 40, right? Holding up the Lombardi trophy, saying the bus stops here. That's tough to beat. Him running out of the tunnel by himself in that game, too. That's tough to beat. I also love that when Jerome ran for like 700 yards on the Rams, uh, the first game, he saw them again in Pittsburgh, busted a long like 70-yard touchdown run in that game. He was moving, baby. Um, But it's hard to beat everything that went into Super Bowl Forty. Um, Finally, from Steeler Nation 920, do you feel as if our intimidation factor is dwindling? Yes, absolutely. The physicality isn't there when the results are there. Listen, it's hard to intimidate in the National Football League in general. You're playing against grown professionals every week. Now, the Steelers have certainly done that at times in the past. Troy Polamalu was intimidating. (laughs) James Harrison was intimidating. Like There's examples to that, right? But I do think that that's hard to do for the most part. You're going against other grown men, grown millionaires who have a lot of pride in what they do too. Uh, but yes, I don't think anyone is intimidated or fear, fearing the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, uh, certainly over the last three weeks. Folks, that's going to do it for me today. Thanks to you guys uh, for the tweets, as always, and for rocking and rolling with me. Big shout out to Chris Carter and Brian Backo for joining me on the show as well. We'll be back tomorrow, Friday, as always, with our typical shenanigans. We'll have Five Star Friday. We'll have the Here We Go song. We'll do all of our predictions, all that stuff on Friday to get you ready for Steelers-Ravens this weekend. So have a good rest of your day. Talk to you tomorrow. Same time, same place. High noon, as always, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio.